intro, 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 to the Cabaret Comedy Cast. That is an intro I just made up, and it was done without the magic of editing. No, every single piece of that was my voice. Wow, wow. I may sound like kind of smarmy and douchey right there, but I was intending to sound like, wow, what I just done, what I just, what I just done did was dumb. Yeah, and, and I apologize. I'm sorry about the dumbness of it. But you know who's not dumb? Transition time. Uh, Griffin Coldiron Third. He's probably not the third, but he is now. Griffin Coldiron. He is a magical man full of magical words and magical happiness. Just make you feel, like, pleasant and warm inside when you hear him. He uh, does comedy. He's done, Im uh, he's done little bits of improv. He's done rapping. He's been scouted by the NBA because he's a tall, tall, tall man. Uh, so welcome to the uh, Tall Man Podcast, hosted by Colorado Comedy Cast, uh, with me, Zach Harris, and also the magical Griffin Coldiron. Okay, bye. Well, I mean, you know, okay, start. Welcome to Colorado Comedy Cast. I am Zach Harris, your host, and I've got with me Griffin Coldiron. Oh, hey, how's it going? Griff is uh, coming here making fun of my Grapefruit Refresh Seltzer Water Safeway brand. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am judging for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Griff does uh, stand-up comedy, also rapping, also working Wells Fargo, so many things. You're, you're like an, a talented man. I get bored easily. What can I say? <laughs> nice. So what have you been up to lately, man? Ah, man, uh, working. Been doing quite a bit of comedy. Uh, Denver, Colorado Springs. Just uh, got done with a, a three-night weekend there at our, our club here locally, Looney's, with uh, Ty Rivera and a funny dude named Chris Storen. I've never heard of him. Uh, really, really funny guy. Up and coming. Uh, he'll be headlining soon. Uh, really hilarious guy. That's really cool. How was how was Ty? I've never worked. I mean, obviously, I've never worked with him, but Ty's I've seen really stuff. Funny, man. He's a uh, he's a cool dude, and he uh, he does a lot of crowd work. So um, it's about half material and half just talking to people. It's it's really a different dynamic, but it's pretty cool. That's cool. How does that work? Like, what does he do? Yeah, he'll just be like, "What's up?" <laughs> so tell he me, tell me your life story, and then he'll crack jokes about it. So. That's awesome. So he's like um, MST3King, real life people. Yeah, a little bit. A little. I guess. I guess you could uh, put it like that. You, you can if you're me, and I did. <laughs> Not a lot of people remember the MST3K. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by MST3K, our supporting sponsor. So uh... Mystery Science Theater <laughs> 3000. They're actually bringing it back. Yes. They're, uh, it's With a Kickstarter thing. No, um, it's going to be, so the, um, the people doing it, it's going to be Jonah Ray as the host, as the Joel or, or yeah. the, um, Mike. Uh, so Jonah Ray, the new bad guy is going to be, um, what's her name? Um, Felicia Day, hmm. the new bad. Um, they've got, um, what's his name? Everyone's uh, favorite nerd. Yeah. Uh, they've got, yeah, exactly. Uh, they've got, who they got? Um, the guy who used to do Rob and, uh. Robin Elliott on the web, and then became a stand-up comedian. Um, what the heck is that guy's name? Eh, you I'm can... assuming it's either Rob or Elliot. 
I'm not familiar. Not Shockingly, it is not. <laughs> it is neither Rob nor Elliot. Nor Rob Elliot. <laughs> yeah, this guy is a tricky man. I feel like he's lying to everyone. He was. Mm. He totally was. Um, so yeah, we're um, they're bringing him back. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I have a very, very uh, much a distrust of anything remade. So I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I thought Mystery Science Theater was kind of perfect, and then it went away. And then even when it came back, it wasn't as good. Hmm. So the the remake, I'm not sure. Well, Joel, the guy who who created Mystery Science Theater, is in charge of it. So he's picking all the people, all the voices. And he wanted uh, – it's so far, they're doing a Kickstarter, so they brought it back for like six episodes. And if they get another like million bucks, they'll bring it back for 12 or whatever. Um, nice. I just don't know if anything can top the pod people episode. <laughs> Nothing. So good. Nothing. <laughs> it's called Evil Kid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those were the days, man. Kids, kids today aren't going to know the joy of Mystery Science Theater. I feel like everything is, like almost everything is Mystery Science Theater now. Like, you go on YouTube and everyone's, you know, making fun of everything. You know, it used to be there's Weird Al... And then, you know, that's it. Now there's Weird Al and, like, 700 other people making decent parodies. Yeah, and then, for whatever reason, commentary is popular. There's millionaires off of video game commentary. It's ridiculous. Well, the reason that one is, is because uh, YouTube pays you based on how long you keep people on YouTube. And so, if you can pump out one video every day that's six hours long and 10,000 people watch the whole damn thing then you're going to make a crap load of money. So you actually make more money with less viewers than, especially if they're, you know, you're like um, PewDiePie where they just watch it in the background. They just kind of turn it on, go about their day, do their homework, whatever. You're, you're keeping people on YouTube forever. They're listening to, you know, 10, 20 com commercial breaks for YouTube. Um, so, and you can just pump one out a day, eight hours of material. If you're say Smosh or something and you're doing, one sketch a week because it takes a ton of production work, then you just don't have the ability to make the same kind of revenue you would if you can just throw crap out there that's solid enough and people will be happy listening to it. That's why, um, like say Rhett and Link, they do, they do their, you know, their, their videos, their sketches, but then they also do like a 15 minute morning show every day because a 15 minute morning show keeps people on and YouTube's uh, search algorithm. Now it, uh, works based on how long you out the length of viewer interaction. So if someone turns on your playlist and winds up on there for two hours, then you're going to show up all over the place on YouTube. If someone comes and watches your video for 30 seconds and it's hilarious, but then they, you know, are just leave YouTube, then YouTube's not going to reward you for that. All right, it's time to start writing our six-hour YouTube video then. <laughs> if, if you're writing, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> I am. I imply writing. There, there will be no words written on paper or typed. <laughs> you could do. Um, you should watch NFL games and just bleep the entire game, <laughs> like blur it out, fuzz it out, and just do commentary over it. Like this just happened, and okay, just like uh, sync it up, sync this up with your um, your DVR recording of today's Broncos game with the express written consent of the National Football League, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually got to be some good stuff we could do, like just because video game commentary. 
if you're not already like a crazy video gamer and you're not already doing it, I feel like, I mean, you, if you, if you love doing it, go do it. But if it's a new thing, you should, we should figure out some new way to do long play videos like that that people would watch. Mm. It's a solid idea. I don't know what it looks like, but maybe it's a solid uh, idea. <laughs> maybe you go to a Catholic church and maybe you uh, whisper comment the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Commentary of midnight mass. <laughs> we're standing up again. We're on our knees, and now we're standing up. Oh wait! I think there's bread. <laughs> oh, the Jesus are extra flavorful today. <laughs> the Jesus. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's that's messed up. <laughs> Blame Dan Cook. He uh, he stole that from someone and made it popular. I've never heard that. Oh yeah, dude. I thought I, I'm so hurt. I thought that was original. Breaking yeah, my heart. Uh, no, no, no. I I, I will uh, gladly take credit for what's original, but I won't I won't bite anyone else. Yeah, so you told me uh, off the off the air that you wrote some good new jokes today, or a oh yeah, man. I just I try to make jokes. Sometimes I'll make jokes out of comments that I make on on Facebook or some other social media, and uh, someone linked an article about this new series of billboards in Colorado Springs that were pictures of Santa, and it said, is it okay to skip church this season? And it was, like, brought to you by atheist.org, and uh, learn more about atheism. And to me, I thought the whole appeal of atheism in the first place was that they didn't have an agenda, that they weren't trying to convert you to anything. You know, they just, they were what they were. I mean, what's next, though? Are they going to come door-to-door and be like... Do you have a minute for me to tell you the indifferent news about nothing? <laughs> I like that so much. There's like so many places you could go with that. I I agree. I agree. Yeah, one of one of my one of my best jokes came from a Facebook commentary uh, regarding this girl who died during butt implant surgery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, died during butt implant surgery. That's ridiculous. That's, true, That's ridiculous. Right? It is. I, I won't go into the, the joke because it's a bit profane, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out uh, Griff Cold Iron on, on YouTube and you can see that joke. This show also brought to you by Griff Cold Iron on YouTube. I am your guest, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to promote myself. This is kind of what a, a guest on a podcast or a radio show or anything does. There's going to be some self-promotion and I'm not even ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about Griff, Griff.ColdIron on, what is it? Yeah, it's just Griff, G-R-I-F-F, and Cold Iron, my last name. It's uh, spelled how it sounds, C-O-L-D-I-R-O-N. Um, just search that on YouTube. So I, I've looked at that, your YouTube, and I know you have the, what you have is the video of you doing, uh, doing loonies. It's like about 10 minutes. Yeah, and then I have, uh, I believe Comedy Works has... Oh, yeah, for when we went up to Denver to do the... Yes. I need to post some more video. Um, I, I need to record more in general, but... Yeah, but, th- I mean, those are two really high-quality videos. Yeah. And that, that the worst thing about that video in Comedy Works, though, is you can see where they cut it off at the end. Yeah, I was in a contest, and I ran over my time limit, so 
was a bummer. It's on one of my best jokes that I was ending to. Well, the thing was, it, okay, so this uh, we were up in Denver at Comedy Works, and uh, Griff was doing the New Faces uh, contest, yeah. and he was killing it. Like, people, basically, the reason he went over is because he timed all of his jokes without the standing ovation he got. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that level of response, and I, I thought I would advance in the contest just based on that, but just a, a killer night, so many good comedians that night. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think three of them were in the actual finals. Um, three out of the ten. Three out of the, three out 12, of the ten. Twelve, ten, ten. And I I I missed advancing by fractions of points that night, so it's so, uh, really a bummer. Yeah, well, we, I mean, and everyone like the headliner that night came out and was talking to you and was like, "Hey." Yeah, he was like, I he was shocked because he thought he thought I was all good. There was nothing to stress out about, but uh, it is what it is. The the life of contests. Yeah, apparently they take. Uh, so what they do is they take two points off. Every time that you, um, if you go over two points per judge, though, and so he lost ten points, so he yeah. came in uh, fifth by like one point. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, it's on a two hundred and fifty point scale, and I still scored over two hundred. Whoa, you did? I didn't yeah. know. Which out of wow. the yeah, which out of the hundred and forty four comedians, there was five of us who scored over two hundred and didn't advance. Yeah, that's nuts. Because I mean, I you were telling me about your friend who said that the week before there were only three good comedians in the entire group. And two of them went over. <laughs> and still advanced. So, oh, man. Yeah, contests are uh, are an interesting deal. They're they're a lot different than your normal comedy gig. Yeah. Well, how's that, how was that going? Like, I know you opened for Ty. How'd that go? Uh, the show with Ty was awesome. Um, all, the, all the shows that entire weekend, I think we did five shows. Uh, great audience response. We had two sellouts. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, um, he he was impressed. He, uh, he he says he's sure he'll see me around the comedy scene nationally. So wow, yeah, dude, big, uh, big that compliments. What, was yeah. that his actual like exact wording? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, he was he was telling me he hasn't received that many compliments on a host ever because generally a club will just throw out any host. Yeah, uh, and the host doesn't even necessarily have to be funny. Uh, it's just considered a bonus when when the MC is funny. So nice. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a good thing. Uh, Chris, cool dude. Uh, Caesar. Out, no, uh, Storin, the uh, oh, Storin. middling comedian, the feature act. He's uh, based out of Oakland. So he's trying to get me to go out to the bay this summer, and he said he'll make his girlfriend uh, put me up at the house. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, when when you're getting. The other comedians, like, offering to take you to their house? Yeah. <laughs> That's good, dude. Yeah. How how long were you doing? Uh, 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, yeah, standard 15, and then introducing the other acts. Uh, but yeah, uh, really good. Did did some edgy material, some baseline material. Um, it, was, it was good. Were you doing uh, new stuff, or were you doing mostly the same set as the yeah, Looney's? It was, it, was, it was about... 60 40 about 40 percent newer stuff mm-hmm. um i mean when you tour and when you do paid gigs you want to just basically do mostly your best jokes mm-hmm. um open mics sometimes a showcase you'll you'll throw in a bunch of new stuff but see how when, it goes. when a club's paying you and has expectations you really yeah. stick to what works well which is funny because apparently their expectations are maybe he won't be terrible <laughs> No, it's good. I, I, I think next time I'm there, I'll probably be featuring, so... 
Oh really? You're good. gonna? Did they talk to you about that? Uh, he mentioned it, so we'll. we'll Do you see have that. 25 good minutes? Uh, I'm I'm almost there. That's <laughs> sick. I would have to have 30. So yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll have to up my crowd work game a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> well, usually they. I mean, I know for hosts, they don't want you to do any crowd work. Right. Is what I've read online. Do they do they want you to do crowd work for uh, feature or is that? Yeah, features and headliners have no rules. Oh, really? Only, only hosts have rules. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> because they're t- usually terrible. Yeah, well, that and the club wants the show to go a certain way. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they put rules on the host and the attention, rightfully so, is supposed to go to the feature act and the headliner and they don't they don't put restrictions on them generally yeah now some clubs will but yeah. here locally they don't so uh when do you think you how long do you think it would take you to start featuring uh not that long man i, I mean I've, I've got 25 of material i've got 20 that i'm very comfortable with uh, and and i'm continuing to write so i think i think i would be there uh, it's kind of a three-month rotation with with most clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll you'll host every three months or so, or you'll feature every uh, four or five months, depending on uh, depending what else on they the have demographic and, and yeah, exactly. So by the time that that would come around in late February, March, whatever the case may be, uh, I would have the material. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. And are you actually going to go to Oakland? Yeah, man, I I love the West Coast so. For me, I can turn it into a whole big vacation and hit up some other clubs. Uh, clubs are always looking for MCs, and I have a, a buddy, Frankie, who is... Oh, yeah, Frankie. Yeah, Frankie P. He does a, a lot of MCing, and he travels for it. And clubs book him all the time just because they know he's a good host and he has video. Um, so I've, I've got all that. You just got to do your groundwork and hit up mm-hmm. the clubs and uh, make sure you plan it out. That's So... Can you make money off of uh, MCing? Uh, it's, it's not glamorous. <laughs> you got to keep your day job for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's what I thought. I was like, I didn't know you could do that. No, but it's a door in. So I mean, Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially once you get on it, like the improvs, which is a chain of clubs nationwide. Yeah. Uh, if you start hosting there, you can host at any of them. Uh, so, I mean, it's, you got to, unfortunately with comedy, you don't, there's no real overnight success stories. It's a, a lot of pain dues. I'm advancing a lot quicker than a lot of people, but it's it's still work. So advancing, how long have you been actually active? Active uh, since about last July. Uh, I did a little brief stint around six or seven years ago where I started doing a few open mics, but nothing really happened with it because I had other interests with uh, some hip-hop stuff that I was doing. Are you ever going to do comedy hip-hop? No. Ah. <laughs> I don't like the the idea of the mixture of the two. I, I mean, I know Lonely Island gets away with it, but it's, uh, it's, I think they're two separate like entities for me. Yeah. <laughs> they're sacred. <laughs> that makes sense. What's your, so what's, your, what's kind of your philosophy toward comedy? What's your goal with it? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I want to get as good as I can get, whatever that, that means. So if it means breaking out, then awesome. That's that's a huge bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if not, then I won't have cheated myself. Yeah. Do you? So are you in it like, 
everyone has something that kind of drives them. Like there's something internally that just makes you go, this is what I want. Like for some people, it's the applause. For some people, it's the fame. For some people, it's just um, kind of... Uh, one of my friends, uh, Jeremy, basically is like, I like being like going up on stage and be like, I'm in charge of you guys. I can tell you what to do. I can decide that you're going to laugh. He likes the control aspect of it. Yeah, I don't know that I like the control aspect, really. I think it's twofold for me. I have a big ego. It's just, <laughs> it happens. Uh, we should point out, by the way, that Griff is uh, also has a big everything. <laughs> And I don't mean that the way it sounded. That did not sound right. <laughs> he would not be the subject matter expert in, in all things uh, that. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm seven foot. I'm, I'm basically I'm six eleven, but I'm a, and I'm a giant dude. So every everyone knows it. If you see my video, you'll know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, no, but I do have a big ego, and I, I like the gratification and compliments that I receive, and just having other people compliment my writing and my humor and different things. It feels good that way, but I also like bringing other people joy. I think that's yeah. the greatest thing uh, about comedy, is you get to make other people happy. You can, someone who's down, you can turn their day around, or their week, or... Um, you know, or someone who's already having a time, you can make them have a better time. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's it's so gratifying bringing other people joy with a few jokes. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. That's what I like with comedy, too. That's what I've always liked, why, why I like comedy, is because when I was young, I was really depressed, and whenever I, you know, listen to, or, you know, watch the Muppets or whatever, I'd just, I'd be okay. Yes. The Muppets were that for me, too. I'm, I'm a little Muppet obsessed. I even have a giant Muppets tattoo. Uh, <laughs> Explain the tattoo. So the, the tattoo is the two critics, Statler and Waldorf. And they're kind of uh, standing with arms folded, and it says, Hater's gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very gangster tattoo. So he's got, uh, he's got the Hater's gonna hate, and then on the other arm... Uh, yeah, I've got the Statue of Liberty, but instead of a torch, she's got a 9 millimeter gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, he is a rapper. <laughs> yeah, no, that has nothing to do with rap. I know. That's, uh, that's me, me, the libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. So, how did this um, emceeing, did it go differently? than I know you've gone to Milwaukee and Canada and washington a few different places was this uh hosting with ty better um it's, it's, i mean it's all different uh canada and milwaukee i was doing guest sets which are just 10 minutes you get booked you do a one-time deal um had i had longer in canada i would have had the opportunity to host there too but i was only there on vacation um so those were just little guest spots 10 minute spots that i filled in those different cities while while i was already on vacation um, from me hitting the club up with my video and saying, yeah. hey, I'd like to do a set, and they, they were welcoming. How many um, clubs did you hit up with your video versus how many responded? Um, I actually have only hit up three clubs with video, and they've all booked me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, well. I, I mean, I don't know the uh, pain of rejection yet because <laughs> I haven't put myself out there quite so much yet, but uh, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes as my vacation hours reset in january and i actually looked at tour a little bit that's cool Where, what are you thinking for a tour oh uh, well i've made some connections just with shows i've done so i've already got 
opportunities throughout Iowa and Chicago, and then I have my uh, Bay Area options, and I'm, I'm sure that I'll make more connections as I go. Yeah, well, I mean, if people are inviting you to their house. Yeah, you know, but that's that, that's comedy, though, man, because Chris, I, he, he's, a, he's a feature act, but he doesn't make a ton of money on comedy. He has a day job part-time to, mm-hmm. to pay bills. So once you tour comedy, unless you're headlining, you kind of got to couch hop and uh, stay with other comedians. Uh, That's just, it's the life, unfortunately, until until you either quit or or break out. There might be like some fortunate part to that because that means there's a much tighter knit community. And like when you look at TV shows, like um, say 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. Tina Fey put on a ton of people that she'd, you know, done Second City with, like Judah Freelander, and just, like, all these different people she could help out. Like, so there's something cool about just the tight-knit community. Yeah, absolutely. Comedy is unique in that aspect, because for the most part, uh, people don't wish other people failure. Uh, like, I, I did hip-hop music for a long time, too, and everyone's so obsessed on making it themselves that they don't want to see anyone else succeed. Whereas in comedy, as long as you're funny, you want everyone else to be funny. You want them to get gigs. You want you want the success of the people around you. And in a lot of other entertainment industries and life in general, it's not like that. Yeah. So do you work with other people like uh, on writing jokes, that kind of thing? Or? Um, I, I don't do a lot of collaborative writing, no. Uh, I have a couple of close friends, one of whom is in Oregon, that I'll... Uh, I, is I that swear, Richie? Or, yeah, Richie. Uh, our buddy Richie. Uh, anytime we hang out, I get new jokes, and it just stems from conversation because it's so loose and natural, and he's hilarious. If he ever got over uh, stage fright, he'd he'd kill. Oh, but... <laughs> yeah. Richie would be really good, and he's got the look. Like, he'd look... He'd look I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but just looking at him, you're like, I bet this guy's funny. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he's just so comfortable around him. And I think if he was comfortable on stage, I I think he'd be a natural. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's good having friends like that because you can you can bounce jokes off them. Um, You can you can work on material with them, knowing that they're not going to tell those same jokes on stage. So (laughs) (laughs) it's good. (laughs) Have you found that you're like. You know, I was talking about Richie's appearance. Have you found that your appearance uh, helps you a lot? Um, I mean, it makes me more memorable, obviously. Yeah. You know, whereas if I was some five eight skinny dude, hey, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just being honest. <laughs> this is why I interview comedians. Yeah, I mean, just based on appearance, though, people aren't going to remember your look. Yeah. Uh, based on appearance, they can't really forget my look. <laughs> it's like. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, and it helps that I'm funny. So, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's always a good thing in comedy. <laughs> yeah, there's one com- comedian in Denver who's super memorable. You know who I'm talking about, probably. Yeah. Super memorable. Like, everything about their appearance and mannerism is like, okay, I can't forget that, but their jokes are so bad. Yeah, I'm actually doing a show with them on the 13th <laughs> up in... Um, what is that, Longmont? Well, then I'm really glad I didn't say who it was. Yes. <laughs> I Every... hope they don't hear this. Yeah. <laughs> so know right away. Oh, well, that would be really tragic. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So what do you want to, uh, like, go on national tour uh, 
featuring or? Uh, I mean, it depends on where the opportunities are. Uh, I, I could see that being an opportunity, but I also like the stability of having money. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, there's that conflict there. The uh, There's a lot of risk of being poor for a while. And I, I have grown so comfortable with having my 40 grand a year that's just stable. Yeah. <laughs> That the idea of living on 20 or 18 uh, lacks a little bit of luster. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love the idea of being a touring comedian and just making people happy city to city, but that's, that's a tough idea. So, I'm moving to close the door, and you can't hear me saying that. All right, Anne, back from a tiny break for me to close the door because I forgot to do that. <laughs> yeah, background noise. Yeah, I found the quietest room, one with no heat vents, like good acoustics, and, and forgot to close the door. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> so how long do you think it would take you full-time to become... Do you, do you think you're going to be able to become a headliner? Um... You know, I don't know. I think I think what's limiting me there is my own drive. So uh, I think if I bought in completely and just went on the road and was writing full-time, uh, I, I think that I have the chops to do it, but uh, I, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, so my thought is, if, you can, if you're continuing to move forward and you've gone from, you know, a few minutes of jokes to host material to you're just about to feature material mm -hmm. without being, without being like all in, yeah. then maybe there's something about your approach that's working for you. Like maybe the stability gives you the confidence that you're not like desperate on stage. You're not like, if you don't laugh at me, I'm going to starve. Right. Right. And I mean, I've even even at eighteen grand a year, I would be a long way from that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there is definitely a comfortability of having a steady day job and uh, doing comedy as a passion thing, as opposed to a hey, I need to pay my cell phone bill and I need yeah. to pay my rent with these jokes. So I, I think definitely it's a lot more relaxed. Yeah, and so have you ever thought about, uh, are you thinking about in the future putting out an, a CD or anything, doing promotions? or? Yeah, uh, eventually I want to have a solid 30-minute, I know the material front and back that I would be comfortable doing at a club and recording it and putting out an album. Yeah. So I've never thought about that, but I wonder if it makes sense to... If it makes sense to put out an album before you have headliner, like a full headliner act, yeah. Because if you put out an album, you're, I mean, you're not putting it out for the money. If you're a low-level comedian, I would imagine you're putting it out for the exposure. Yeah, definitely. But it helps. Um, I've I've worked with featuring comedians where they have their thirty-minute. They're not headlining yet, but they have an album. Oh, cool. And people toss them five bucks at the end of the show. You know, you sell ten of those per show. You're you're supplementing your, oh, yeah. your club revenue. Well, 50 bucks times five shows, 250 bucks a week. That's a thousand bucks a month. That's solid. Yeah. I mean, definitely. So you, you want to have things to sell to people. Um, cause generally people at clubs, they're a little bit liquored up and if they <laughs> like what you did, they'll, uh, they'll buy it. Yeah. 
You should get an extra, like a crazy extra extra large T-shirt that's just a grip cold iron that like covers up the entire body. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like, a, <laughs> or maybe like a grip cold iron snuggie. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so great. Like, no comedian sells a snuggie. That's way better. Branded snuggies. A snuggie with joke taglines. <laughs> uh, that that would be awesome. I think there's some marketing opportunity there. You should just sell all random crap. Like, so instead of t-shirts and CDs, you should sell a Snuggie and then like a Griff board game where all the squares are like your face going, <laughs> making big, ridiculous faces. I don't think the world's ready for that. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm so sad that the world's not ready for that. Hey, what can you do? <laughs> oh, man. So... What um, what prompted the switch from rapping to uh, comedy? Um, you know, I had a little taste of comedy several years ago, and yeah, I remember, and you were doing well. Yeah, I was doing fairly well. I, I mean, I it was just open mics, but I was doing fairly well. Um, and then I met met uh, my buddy Joey, and we formed up a group called Sworn Enemies, and we started dedicating a lot to music. And so I kind of out of comedy to focus on that um you know i don't know that i lost passion for music or or whatever the case may be i just remember really missing doing stand-up yeah um so last july i went out to a mic with a, a few new jokes a few old ones and it just right off the bat it clicked and i started starting doing more open mics and i uh, took this uh workshop that Chris Caesar yeah. uh, put on and the club here noticed it, my showcase set and started giving me hosting gigs and then I started working out of comedy works up in Denver a little bit too and yeah. um, made some good connections with the other comedians and now I'm booking showcases and I have videos so I'm booking other clubs and it's, a, it's a, quite the progression in a, in a short time because like I said I know Comedians have been doing it three, four years that aren't even getting booked at clubs to host even. So, yeah, um, yeah it kind of kind of snowballed really quickly. Well, you do a good show. I mean, when you when you do a show, a, a lot of comedians, every comedian has kind of a, um, I don't want to say this, but an aura they project. Like yeah. there's something, but there's an energy. And when you when you do shows, your energy is like I'm enjoying this and i want you to enjoy this like it's a very positive energy which is cool yeah you know and i know what you're talking about there's there's different styles of comedy you know there's yeah. the mopey comedian who <laughs> yeah. everything is unfortunate there's the angry comedian who just wants to complain to the audience and sometimes they'll throw a punchline in there yeah occasionally um <laughs> You know, there's the hardworking comedian where their material is just not that good, but darn it, they're trying. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and for me, I've always just been like, you know what, I'm gonna have fun, and everyone else is gonna have fun with me. Um, I really so. think that's a big thing nowadays. Like, if you look at who's number one in late night talk shows, it's Jimmy Fallon, and that's because <clears throat> he's not necessarily always being the funniest but he's making you feel like things are going to be okay like we have so much media coverage of negative crap like murders in the last 20 years have gone down by more than half but 
coverage of murders has tripled. Yeah. So everyone thinks the world is getting worse and worse when it's actually getting better. And it's, so it's nice to just have that moment where you can just like relax and be okay. Right. I feel like your stuff give and Jimmy Fallon's, you know, other comedians too, but it gives them that. Yeah, the funny thing is I'm not a Fallon person <laughs> <laughs> at all. I'm a, I'm a Kimmel guy. I, I just love Kimmel's wit. And I just think there's an intelligence behind his humor. So, yeah. Uh, so the late night slot's always going to be Kimmel for me, but, uh, <laughs> well, but you, I understand where you're getting at. You're totally a wit guy, and like I know that you like the intelligence, but you still have that, like, if you watch me, you can just relax and enjoy it. You don't have yeah. to freak out that everything's going to be bad. That's yeah, the, that vibe. Because I think that's a comedian's job, is you, yeah. you make things that aren't funny, funny. Yeah. Like, even before we were doing comedy, we uh, Zach and I, we... We've been friends for quite a while. We have a, a list of, what, the joke of the year? Yeah. And they're just horrible, <laughs> dark humor jokes that are that are fantastic. <laughs> and so I've always had that thing where, like, I find humor in anything. You know, it could be the, the worst thing you've ever heard, and I'll have a joke about it. It just... It's, it's always been like that. Um, so there's this book. Um, it's called... Um... Uh, and here's the kicker. It's basically a guy went and interviewed top humor writers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times one of the questions he would ask is, you know, what do you think humor means? And I think it was Dave Barry who said uh, it's basically the only rational response to a crazy, scary, irrational world. Right. Like it makes you it helps you cope with, you know, the realities of your life. Yeah, and definitely that makes sense. So. Hmm. I'm going to pause for a minute and think of an actual question to ask. (laughs) I've run out of questions. Interviewing 101. Have questions. Yeah, I had them written down, but, um, yeah. But you don't have your notebook or... (laughs) Editing out stuff. Editing out stuff. This is the part of the show that we edit out. Da-da-da-da. Editing out stuff. Uh huh. I think that you should have that transitional song and leave it in the podcast. <laughs> okay, I will. I will leave no. that transitional song in. <laughs> so uh, here is the question I had. Um, so, what are your thoughts like on the whole Colorado comedy scene? Like, what? How does it compare to where else you to um, you know Washington and Canada, places yeah. like that? I mean, I have limited exposure in the other places because I've done one performance in them. So. I can't really speak for the entire scene in like a Vancouver or a Seattle or a Boise or anything like that, um, or or Milwaukee. But uh, you know, it's it's a it's a I don't know. It's it's different because Denver is one of the comedy capitals of the country. It's it's one of the top five. Most when did that happen? Uh, you know, I don't really know. It's just I don't remember that being the way it was. Yeah, it's just you know, LA is so oversaturated, and yeah, Colorado allows weed, so creative types are like, so <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to Denver. And you know, uh, comedy works has always been one of the most legendary rooms. Uh, it's Dave Chappelle's favorite room to perform in. Really. Uh, Amy Schumer and Natasha Leggero have done specials there. So wow. Mulaney and. Uh, just it's it's really a famous room that all the comedians love to perform at. Even if they're doing Red Rocks or something that weekend, 
uh, they'll come to a Tuesday night at Comedy Works and do a surprise set. That's super cool. I never knew that. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> one of the most legendary rooms. And uh, there's a there's an improv here, which I mean, mm-hmm. the, the improv is a famous chain of comedy clubs, too. So yeah. Denver books pretty much everybody. Um, and there's really a lot of great comedians there. Uh, the Springs is... There's some really funny people here. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit odd um, because in the Springs, there's not a lot of open mics at bars and traditional venues. All of the open mics now have really transitioned into uh, marijuana lounges. Yeah. So for me, it's not an environment I prefer to tell jokes in because the audience is a little bit more... Their wits are a little bit dulled and you're more they're, a witty type. Yeah, their wits are retarded. <laughs> um and I mean that in the actual sense of the word and not the uh, mentally challenged aspect that people might get offended by. If you look at a dictionary, you would know that I use that word correctly. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's, there's there's a whole scene that's based on these uh, weed lounges. And it's uh, so it's, that's not for me necessarily. Uh, so I stick to the club and occasionally do an open mic if there's one at a bar or something here. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time I find myself going up to uh, Denver to do mics. Um, Fort Collins actually has tremendous seating, even though they don't have a comedy club. All the comedians are really tight-knit, and they, they pack out places. Really? Um, I did a showcase a couple weeks ago, and the place was just jam-packed with people. All very supportive, and... Uh, I think Colorado, really, in general, Pueblo's got a good scene, too. They, yeah, Pueblo's they, constantly doing shows. Yeah, and a couple <clears throat> of the funniest comedians in the Springs, my buddies uh, John and Charlie, uh, they're actually Pueblo John comedians. and Charlie. Uh, Charlie McMullen and John Brown. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're actually Pueblo comedians that happen to come up and do stuff here. Yeah. So uh, Colorado, in general, though, is really a thriving comedy scene with a lot, a lot of talented people. Um, and it's it's pretty close knit, uh, you know. Un- unfortunately, the weed scene is a reality there. That, yeah, that isn't. Uh, it's not my deal, but you know, it, it allows people to do material a lot. So. Yeah, that's true. We've got a lot of mics. I mean, when I when we were doing it maybe six years ago, um, so. I also did a little bit of stand-up and then quit for a few years, did a little quit for a few years kind of thing. When we were doing it maybe six or seven years ago, there was two mics maybe a week. Yeah. Maybe. There was um, the one at Thunder and Buttons and maybe the one at the uh, – what's that? The uh, It was called the Blue Iguana. Blue Iguana, yes. Yeah. That's what I was looking it for. It has been eight different oh. bars since then. <laughs> yep. And now I think it's just uh, a, a storefront. For the Harley dealership or something like that. Yeah, or like a, I think it's uh, spas, like jacuzzis. Oh, yeah. They sell jacuzzis. Yeah. Yeah, but now there's like, if you wanted to, you could go out to a mic almost every night or pretty much every night. I mean, which we're we're a smaller town, maybe 600,000 people. So it's cool that we've got the ability to at least play. Now, do you work on your material at open mics or how do you how do you work your material? Um, You know, there's a, there's a process for me. Uh, generally I write at work, um, sorry bosses, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll just, for whatever reason, I find inspiration while I'm working on other stuff and stuff will randomly come to me and I'll start writing jokes at work. Um, 
And then I'll start laughing hysterically, and my coworkers <laughs> will look at me really concerned. Uh, and then I test my jokes on them. Yeah. And then if it passes that initial test, I'll start texting people like you and Richie and uh, a few others. And if it passes that, then I'll try it at an open mic. Um, <laughs> and so do you only, like, you don't go to open mics as much. So do you, so I know most comedians are kind of like, we'll go to 10 mics or, well, to my knowledge, most comedians are like, we'll go to 10 mics, keep trying this joke and working it out. But your, your stuff seems to be more like fully formed. Yeah, a lot of the times. Um, I'll go to Mike's. Um, and if I go to Denver, I'll usually go to two in one night because yeah. the availability is there and it's staggered with times to where that will work. Do you usually go to Comedy Works and then uh, what's that bookstore? Uh, Mutiny Information Mutiny. Cafe. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting room because it's just a coffee shop slash comedy or comic book store. And uh, generally, there may be five or six people that are actual audience and yeah. 40 comedians. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All comedians, and they're all thinking about their own jokes, so they they you have to really have a presence to get them to laugh. Well, and even if they're not thinking about their jokes, they're analyzing your jokes. Yeah. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's the toughest rooms ever <clears throat> are ones that are just comedians. Because yeah. even when we're paying attention... We're, we're thinking about why a joke is funny as opposed to just yeah. laughing. And how we can, you know, use that format and be like, okay, so this could re redo one of my old jokes yeah. that I could, wasn't working. I could use it in this format or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we, we critique nonstop. And the most analytical minds, uh, other than people in tech, are probably comedians. It's yeah. just nonstop analyze everything. Yeah. It's just funny because there's not – I've been looking – you know, I read uh, comedy books and there's not a whole lot of – there's not as many analytical comedy books as I would have hoped. I mean there's some, but, you know, we, we have the uh, Comedy Writing Secrets or, you know, a number of others. Yeah. But not as many. Maybe maybe there's the moneymaker right there. Yeah. Do the math behind comedy. That would be sick. That sounds incredibly boring. That sounds delightful. <laughs> I would not read that book. I'd write the hell out of it, but I would not read that book. I e even totally if I wrote it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't proofread anymore. This is killing me. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have a very analytical mind, and I can uh, do formulas and stuff pretty easily in my head, but I don't enjoy it. And, uh, I would not enjoy that book. But I can see where a lot of people would, especially yeah. especially nerd comics, which is really becoming a popular niche these days. Well, I mean, because nerd nerd used to be the weird people, right. because it would take all your energy just to figure out where the nerd stuff was. Now it's easier to be a nerd than it is to be a jock, and it's probably in some ways, uh, in some ways, it's more culturally relevant to be a nerd because you have the ability, you're you know. Our society is switched to a computer culture, and in order to make it, you need to be computer savvy. So there's got to be at least a little nerd in you just to make, just to be successful in the society. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I find I'll, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll type out a, a new joke as opposed to the traditional write it in a notebook. So even, yeah. even just that, there's a little bit of, you gotta, you gotta be up on things. Yeah. And so you were talking about um, going, doing uh, comedy works and mutiny. Where where were you saying you do mics um, in Denver? Yeah. Monday nights I'll do this place called Goose Town Tavern, which is Never on, even heard on of it. Uh, Colfax. 
Which everything is on Colfax. <laughs> yeah. Um, Colfax, by the way, fun fact, longest street in America. To, without, you know, contiguous. Yes. So. The more you know. Yeah. Use those facts with Zach. Yes. So you can pick up a Colfax cooker uh, <laughs> 10 miles apart or 20 miles apart and. Um, and they'll both be uh, equally creepy. Yeah, equally. Just different styles. Do you remember when we were talking about, um, like, what, 78 years ago, we were talking about picking up a... We were going to pick up a hooker for a bachelor party and play Scrabble with her because we thought she was going to put all dirty words. <laughs> Not do anything sexual. Just, hey, would you like to play board games with us? I still think that's a hilarious idea. And... <laughs> They would be so confused. <laughs> it would be glorious just seeing the reactions. I mean, there would be eight, nine, ten jokes just out of that hour. Oh, yeah. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would. That is one of my dreams. Is it? You know, but with our luck, you would uh, you would get an undercover scene. Yeah, I swear we were gonna play Balderdash. <laughs> is that a new? Is that new internet slang? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so in comedy, what what's what have you noticed is working for you and what's not? Like in your comedy writing, your comedy in your delivery. Um, <clears throat> I I really pay attention to current events, so I will be first to the punch with a lot of jokes yeah uh when the when the news broke about uh jared from subway i had a joke that same night um i remember i did a joke two nights after robin williams died and people uh hated that uh, some people enjoyed it but well that was a uh, good joke i just yeah i mean it was a solid joke the writing was fantastic if i do say so myself and i did but, uh, yeah it's just I'll pay attention to the world a lot, whereas people in a typical bar or even a oh, comedy yeah. club won't have been paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I'll mention something, and if they know what's going on in the world, they'll find it funny. Yeah. But 90% of them don't pay attention to what's going on in the world. So uh, I found topical works great with other comedians, but not so much oh. with audiences. Yeah, which is funny because all the uh, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense from a uh, volume perspective. But all the late night guys do topical monologues, right? But I guess if you're watching a late night show, you kind of expect topical, so it's a little different. Yeah, uh, whereas if you're in a club, then people aren't necessarily watching the news every night and paying attention to the things that are going on around. So uh, you have to set it up really well with basically explain everything that's going on in the world before yeah. you hit a punchline. And that takes too long. People's attention spans are too short. Or you'd have to write, like, you know, six tags for one joke. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I can I can only get away with a certain amount of self-deprecation. Yeah. I just, well, it's, it's just not uh, your style. It's not my style. Yeah. Like, I'm not a sad sack, so, uh, so me... Me dogging on myself only goes so far. I mean, you pretty much have to set everyone, every set up with a few jokes about yourself just yeah. to get the audience to where they're comfortable with, okay, this guy makes fun of himself. He can make fun of everyone else now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We have to make, you have to let people buy into your persona so they don't feel like, comedy's so tricky. Like, if you can just, the same joke told by two different people can be horrifically insulting or hilarious. 
Yeah. Um, so have you ever thought, I know you do really well on topical stuff and you, you seem to really enjoy topical stuff. So I assume you do. Um, I mean, to an extent, but it has to have a broader appeal. Yeah. Uh, like the thing with the atheist billboard today. Yeah. Um, that's not anything that's going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think there will be more atheism billboards. Yeah. And it's not something where it's only a story for a day. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's something that's becoming like a, a societal trend where atheists are being a little bit more outspoken than they ever have been. Yeah. They're so, actually atheist churches. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. It, the new religion, atheism. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> so my th- question on that is, with those, you know, with the way your writing works, would you can ever consider writing? Like, would you ever consider, like, a plot, uh, sending in a packet to a late night show or cable, you know, some cable shows or anything? Have you ever thought about that? Um, yes and no. When I write it, I, I've written for other people before, and when it when I deliver it, the joke is hilarious. And when they deliver it, it's not. (laughs) So, well, there's a little bit of a voice thing. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the way I write, it only sounds right coming out of my my mouth. Um, I think you'd, I think if you were writing for like a Kimmel type, you, you could kill, but I think you just have to match with the style that you're writing for. Right, or I'd, either that, or I would have to know the person very well. Yeah, uh, I think that where I happens. know their nuances, their little ticks. Uh, then that would happen. But just writing for a stranger, just cold writing, I, I don't. Think, well, yeah, I don't think I could pull that off. Well, what I mean is like. If you want to kind of stay in comedy, there the roots are. You know, you could be a you could become a headliner. You could get on to a team from you know Second City or something. You know, right. which is really hard. Um, or the most common route seems to be to become a writer for someone, become a writer for a big show. And I was wondering if that's a, a path you'd consider taking. I mean, I'd consider it. I mean, obviously, writers actually get paid pretty well. Yeah. So if if that's an inroad, then absolutely. Yeah, and so is that like, but your main goal with comedy, would it be to just do straight stand-up, and or would it be to have like your own Tonight Show, would it be to be a, a host of uh, a host of open mics at a big city where you can make some de- a little bit of money off that? Or? Um, it, w- it would be mainly as a stand-up, uh, just, I'm, I'm very comfortable on stage, I'm actually... Oh yeah, you're one of the most comfortable I've ever seen, and I mean, yeah, it's, I've it's... seen some prep, some headliners who weren't as comfortable as you right yeah i don't know for for some reason the stage feels natural to me it's it's weird i'm more comfortable speaking in public than i am yeah one-on-one or uh, in a small group and i know that's completely ass backwards from everyone else in society but for me it's just that way like i i don't know i i feed off other people's energy up there and there's just there's a comfort level that's not normal yeah well, I think it helps that you've done the uh, hip hop too, because you're that you know, as hip hop, you're kind of a hype man, even when you're a rapper. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're selling yourself all the time. Yeah, for sure. And have you has that been like something that's even before the hip hop has that been something that's been going on? You prefer talking in public more than more than regular conversations? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember. Uh, I, I played sports year round in high school, but my freshman year I joined debate and I absolutely loved it. And I won, I won three of the four matches that I did. 
And it's just, <laughs> I've always been comfortable speaking in public. Yeah. Uh, from the time I was a little kid, I would, I would, I would even uh, embarrass the hell out of my parents. So. <laughs> just talk like what would were there signs when you were a kid that you were gonna be funny or that you were gonna like speaking in front of people? Um, in my family, you didn't really have a choice but to be funny because we just picked on each other nonstop. Yeah, uh, there was such sharp wit in my house at all times with my uh, with my mom and my my sisters and my brother and whenever my uncles were over. It's just something where you've got to be on your toes all the time. So I think part of it was that, and part of it's uh, just I have my own style of humor, and it's it's natural to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there were signs early that I would be a comedian or anything, um, but I would always crack jokes from, from when I was a little kid, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when I met you, you were still, you were cracking jokes all the time, but that was when you, that was before the hip hop, before the rapping, that was when you were going to be a poker player. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I'm a man of many hobbies. Yeah. And you're good at all of them too, which is nice. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I mean, cooking, poker, like all this stuff you're good at. Yeah. I, well, it's all stuff that I enjoy though. So uh, if I don't enjoy something, then I am content remaining terrible at it. I'm, I'm okay with sucking at certain things because... I don't like doing them in the first place. <laughs> so tell me something you suck at. I need to feel better about my life. You need to feel better about your life. Um, I, this is terrible. Oh, uh, oh, it's like the job interview question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? I feel like I'm on a job interview. <laughs> uh, you're, you're interviewing to be my replacement as the host of this podcast. Two episodes, I'm done. I'm just done. Um, You don't have to answer the question. So what's another thing you're good at? No, no, no. I'm terrible at video games. Not gonna lie. I'm not good. Uh, especially shooting video games. Uh, all my friends, they love the Call of Duties, and uh, even when we were kids, it was the 007 yep. game on the Gold Nintendo, Night. and and uh, all these things. I've never been good at those, and... Uh, so I've never really become a gamer because I am terrible at, at first-person shooting. <laughs> Do you uh, like it? No. Oh, well, see, there you go. That's, <laughs> you're right. The key is if you hate it, you're not going to do it. Yeah, just there's no investment. Like, the only video game I've ever really loved is Madden, and I became pretty good at it for a time, but even that. Uh, it takes so much effort to, like, get good at each new iteration every year. You yeah. have to, like, commit to it. Yeah, and who has the time? I mean, obviously a lot of people have the time, <laughs> but who has the time? <laughs> yeah, you can make the time for anything you want to do. Yeah, it's just if you want to do it. Yeah. Do you still play sports? I uh, no no uh, bad knees bad ankles. It's been a, it's been a long time. Uh, I was I was I was only ever decent at sports. I thought you were getting scouted in high school. I was getting scouted, but that's because I was six foot ten. Yeah, well, you know? that's fair. I mean, that's that's a natural talent. That's yeah. Not, um, I, I read a stat that sixteen uh, percent of people seven foot and higher and taller in the America are in the NBA. Yeah. So I mean, if you've got like if you've got just a one in five chance, you, you're you're right. going to be good enough. Right. So I mean, there was that, but yeah, I mean. I, the sport I was best at actually was probably baseball and I just didn't pursue it because I thought I could get free college out of basketball and that didn't end up happening because some injuries and lack of work ethic and a few different things. 
You didn't love so, it. I didn't love it. Yeah. That's funny. I because we talked we've talked about basketball a few times. I always thought you really liked it. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no you just broken my heart. Now I'm yeah, down to one friend who likes basketball. I I I, I love the game of basketball, but as a player, I wasn't oh okay. Well, yeah, that's different. Um, and, and the NBA is tough for me because my my heart and soul, the Supersonics, got ripped out for me. So. Uh, right so, when they got Durant, too. Yeah, right when they got Durant, and we're about to be good again. Yeah. Uh, I think a new arena could have been built off that. Yeah, but now they're using Seattle as a like a hostage tool. Like every new team, every team that won't build an arena, they're like, we'll Seattle, Seattle is desperate. Yeah, it's like the NFL in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, we're going to move you to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Which that actually may happen now. Well, but... that makes sense. I mean, LA, Seattle's a big market, but L.A. is the number two market in the country. Yeah, but they didn't support football when it was there. I guess it might. I guess it makes sense. It's less Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, there's that. But I mean, Miami doesn't support their football team. It's just when you have gorgeous weather and beaches and everything else under the sun to do, why would you go to a football game? I guess that's that makes sense because a lot I I've, I've kind of wondered why football teams are all in cold weather states and like it just doesn't make any sense to me it's a winter sport which also doesn't make any sense and like but if if that's you know the only thing to do maybe that's why I know um, what else are you going to do in Green Bay Wisconsin yeah you know <laughs> eat cheats I mean that's that's how they founded the, the team drink drink really dense beer <laughs> really dense beer we need to clog our clog our uh veins enough that we can stay warm no it's 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 weird uh as a coloradan i'm spoiled because we have the best beer in the world oh, and yeah. i'm absolutely convinced of that and i think that part of it is just our crisp light refreshing water yeah and, our uh, tap water i drink our tap water i yeah. don't even need to buy water you don't need bottled water here <laughs> Uh, but in Wisconsin, the water's just so heavy and it sits and it's like it's full of like alcohol, uh, like metals. And you stuff. know, I don't want to know what's in it, but it's just <laughs> it's it's different. It it doesn't have that lightness, that crispness that we do here. Um, but yeah, We've just got hundreds of breweries, hundreds, yeah, I, I hundreds think, of national ones. That sounded like a great sales pitch for Colorado beer, by the way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this episode also brought to you by Colorado, Colorado Brewery. Beer. <laughs> if you're not up on some Colorado beer, you need to get up on some Colorado beer. And you probably are. I mean, Fat Tire. Come on, you've you've had a Fat Tire. Uh, is Blue, Blue Moon, Moon Colorado? Yeah. yeah, Blue Moon. You've had Blue Moon with an orange. You know you have. You you have fruited the beer. You have fruited I, the beer. I guarantee it. Yeah, and if you're gonna fruit the beer, use an orange. Lemon, weird. I just don't get that. Lime. Lime, okay. Mexican. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've had a Corona without a lime, and it was horrific. It really is bad, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's so bad. It is so terrible. Technically, I've had Corona with lime, and I didn't like it either, but I, it, I could drink it. Have you had it with lime and grenadine? I thought you were going to say lime and grits. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a no. delicious uh, texture sensation. Uh, no, I haven't. That sounds good, though. Yeah, grenadine and lime. Um, I bet any know. like any kind of lighter beer would be good with grenadine. Yeah, not not politically correct at all, but my buddies used to call it a bloody Mexican. Oh, gross. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it was delicious. Yeah, that's. I mean, that sounds <laughs> really good. It made Corona palatable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I have a 24-pack um, a of Rainier beer. Uh, so it's a beer from Washington, 
that is really bad. And I bought it because it was on sale for seven bucks for a 24 pack. And apparently it's going to take me entire an entire year to drink that 24 pack because I just can't get rid of it. Yeah, I won't, it. I won't do it. And, I, and I'm from Seattle, and I had one when I was at Safeco Field this year. Uh-huh. I was just like, I'm going to drink a Seattle beer in Seattle. And, it's and gonna it be, was a mistake. It's going to be everything I ever dreamed of. <laughs> no. No. Bad. <laughs> Mariner dogs, though. Mariner dogs are oh, amazing. Oh, they're glorious. Who would have thought to put cream cheese right? and all these different things on a dog? <sighs> If you have not had a bratwurst or sausage or hot dog with cream cheese and peppers, glorious. It, get on that. Yeah. Go go buy a pack, grill it, uh, get some good artisan buns, and spread some cream cheese on it. It's going to change your some, life. Some some uh, spicy brown mustard, maybe. Perhaps, if you're into that. <laughs> but the cream cheese is the important. Cream cheese, thing. so good on it's a gonna hot dog. It's going to change your life. You'll you'll never go back. For like when I uh, when I moved back from I, I moved to Seattle for like two months. Yeah. When I when I moved back, that was probably there were two things I missed most about well three things. Number one, having a casino like five minutes from my house so I could play poker all day and <laughs> just get free you know make a few bucks and get free food free food. But the the Mariner dogs were just spectacular. No one here even knows what it is. Yeah. And the and the Asian food because they had phenomenal Thai. We have a couple places here that are decent Thai, but. Man, they had super good tie up there. Yeah, no, Asian food on the coast is on a different level. Yeah, totally different level. It's like, we have beer, they have Asian food. You know, it's funny, the best uh, the best thing I've ever had was in Seattle. And oddly enough, it was Caribbean. Um, <laughs> I've never even had Caribbean at all. Well, I mean, I, like, I'm maybe one of those chain restaurants, but nothing real. Yeah, so there's this, there's this Caribbean sandwich shop called Paseo, and... They have this slow roasted pork with these different Ooh. peppers and like a garlic aioli. Oh, cilantro. garlic aioli is so good. And it, it literally the best sandwich I've ever had in my life. So uh, if this podcast ever reaches Seattle, go to Paseo. Go now. Uh, don't wait. Go. Yeah, just do it. Just go. Get the number two Caribbean roast. Uh, it will change your life. And have a Mariner dog for me. Yeah, for sure. And um, So are you still thinking... Um, we can cut this out if we need to, but are you still thinking about buying a sub shop? Oh, yeah, that was a business venture that I had thought of for a while. It didn't end up working out because uh, it was a terrible location. Yeah, the location not good. The guy selling it uh, was a little dishonest, so uh, it didn't work out. So, no, that's, uh, that's on the back burner. Would have been another one of my projects. And, uh, which I think I could have made that happen with comedy because I could have just hired someone whenever I went on the road. Yeah, and you could have just hosted open mics there. You could have made it into a comedy club, essentially. Yes. Yeah, like how um, Nerd Melt is like, it's a comic book shop, but really it's just, you know, that's where yeah. they do all the stand-up. Yeah. You just have uh, Griff's Comedy Shop. Yeah, except I was going in with other buyers, so putting oh, my yeah. name on it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually, but... Uh, yeah, no, the the sandwich shop thing's off the table. Okay, so so life goals. So basketball's out, even though... That wasn't really a goal, but... Um, so professional poker player, still yes or no? Uh, no, I don't, I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. Yeah, me too. Uh, I like gambling, and I'll go to Vegas once a year or every other year. Um, but, yeah, the, the joy and the... Uh, I don't know. The sticker shock with the poker scene is kind of gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, same here. So for for me, it just became a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of grinding once you get once you get over the the joy of it. Yeah, I mean, waiting five hands to play one is just takes so much work and time, and it takes full concentration to think like every assess every single thing every single person does. Yeah, I remember uh, one trip I took down to Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's this great casino down there called Sandia. Uh, but I was at a poker table for 16 hours and walked away up $300, and it's just not worth uh, 16 hours of your life for 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Just that level of mental strain. It's so much strain. Yeah. You're tired afterwards. You're like, you need to go take a nap because you just played poker. Yeah. So I've I've uh, pretty much switched to craps, which is all about positive energy. And, yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's just a fun thing. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so no more poker. Uh, what about hip-hop? Are you ever – is that ever going to be one of your goals again? Um, uh, I'm going to finish out this album that I had kind of split into two halves. Uh, so I'm going to record the last couple of songs on that and release it, but I don't I don't anticipate doing any other shows or, or uh, doing anything with that anymore. It's just uh, – Well, you hit a highlight. I mean, you are – you opened for Macklemore. Yeah, and I mean, I've had some, some good connections, and I, I'm proud of the music that I made. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, grown Up Things is know. great. I mean, you, Pigeon John. Yeah. Pigeon John's on Grown Up Things, right? Yeah, Pigeon yeah. John's on Grown Up Things. Um, so I'm proud of the music, both individually and everything I've done with, with groups. Um, but it's just, it's, I, I've lost a lot of money on music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Spending, you know, a couple thousand bucks to go up to Studio 3 or Side yeah, 3 Studios. Yeah, and promoters are, are just, you almost have to pay to play anymore. Yeah. Uh, promoters don't like paying, and it's just, every every hip-hop scene outside of the main ones in, like, L.A. are so clicky that it's hard to break in. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really... It's really petty, honestly, and so it's not worth. Um, it's not worth dealing with everyone else's stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's what we talked about. Yeah, you know, a couple, a few months ago, just how comedy was so much kinder to you. Like they want you there. It's such an embracing culture. Yeah. Uh, comedians genuinely, for the most part, want all the other comedians to succeed. Uh, you know, I mean, you'll get hated on a little bit if you get a TV show or something. But uh, but even then, everyone's still friendly with you. Everyone's still uh, supportive. It's just... Uh, the thing with comedy is it's it's competitive. Yeah. So everyone thinks they're funnier than everyone else, obviously. I don't. That's um, why I'm doing this. <laughs> but no, you kind of have to have that mindset of, yeah, I'm, I'm the funniest dude out there. Uh, you just kind of have to have that belief, even yeah. if it's not true, which for 99% of us, it's not true. Yeah. Um, but you have to have that attitude going into it. Um, but at the same time, you're not wishing against anyone else's success. Yeah. It's fine if they're good as long as you're doing good. Yeah, as long as you're killing it, awesome. Yeah. If everyone else is good, that just means it's a great show. Yeah, and everyone comes out pumped and goes and has dinner afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Which is super cool. So 
you said uh, getting a TV show. Is that something you'd be interested in? Something you'd want to do? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think so. Um, like maybe a Netflix special would be awesome. Yeah. But, so you're more you're more into straight stand up. Yeah. Have you ever tried? You I don't think have you ever tried acting? Uh, I took drama in high school four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did a little bit of improv, but no, never, never thought of being about being a legitimate actor. Are you guys still doing that? Like the improv? I know you guys did improv with Megan and uh, some other people once in a while. Uh, Megan and everyone still does it. Uh, I haven't made it out uh, to many at all lately. Uh, just because I've tried to hit the Denver scene a little bit more. Yeah. How often are you going up to Denver? Um, About once a week right now. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Are you doing the comedy works every time? or what? Are you no, doing? no. Comedy works, I'm, I'm about every fifth week. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I'll just pick a mic. Um, otherwise, just pick one. Cool. Yeah, or or do a showcase if I'm booked on one. You know, just whatever whatever's available. Cool. So, final thoughts. What What do you like about comedy? What's What's your What's your thoughts on it? I, I love everything about comedy. Uh, it's just it's it's a great scene. It's a great uh, way to make friends and make people happy and. You know, uh, I don't like that it's it's tough to make money, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's so gratifying in every other way that that's not really even a concern. You know, other things that uh, where it's hard to make money and you're not passionate about it, you're like, ah, screw that, I don't want any part of it. But yeah. uh, with this, even even while you're uh, grinding and, and trying to make a name for yourself and not really making any money, it's it's fantastic. Every, every show is something different. And, uh, I think even if you have a bad show, which I, I've only had two uh, in my whole life, uh, that's awesome. Even when you even when you have a bad show, you don't really get discouraged by it because it's like tomorrow's a new opportunity to make people happy and be funny. Yeah. Well, that sounds. I mean, that sounds like it's something you should be in. Then. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I, th- I think so. It feels right. Cool. Well, uh, I'm Zach Harris, uh, Colorado Comedy Cast. We've got Griffin Coldiron. Um, where can we find you? Uh, on YouTube, is search out Griff Coldiron, and you'll find a couple of videos. And then eventually he'll have a website and a Facebook page, and it'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, eventually have that. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Griff Coldiron. Uh, it's, uh, I'll occasionally tweet jokes, too. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks, guys. <laughs>